And joining us now here on the program, pleased to have with us Brett Kenzie. He is the president of RCAF. And Brett, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Doing real good. Waiting for that spring rain. Yeah, I think a lot of folks uh, waiting for some spring rains in uh, some areas and and hoping that we can have a, a successful planting season and, of course, get into the summer months here with our, our cattle herds, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things going on right now across the country here, Brett, on top of the busy time of year. Uh, obviously, a lot of things happening and moving in Washington, D.C., farm bill discussions ongoing, uh, a lot of other topics we're watching closely. So I, I want to dive in and talk with you about some of these things here and RCAF's perspective on things. Uh, let's just start with uh, this cattle market in general and, and looking at the farm bill in the cattle industry. What are some of the things that are, are on your mind and on RCAF's mind here heading in and through this farm bill discussion right now? Well, I'll tell you, rural America is really enjoying these cattle prices. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk about record prices on cattle, but those of us that do it for a living day in and day out know that a lot of record priced inputs have gone into get, getting them there, you know, and there's been some big holes to fill from in the past. Going into farm bill, I guess I would just say what helps us create our farm bill platform is, is we look at the long-term trajectory of this industry. Probably the, the biggest number that's being passed around right now is the smallest cow herd since 1962. You know, you add that to the fact that we've lost over 40% of our cow-calf producers in the last generation. 70% of independent feeders like me, uh, we run a feedlot and a cow-calf operation and you know, it's just been a tough trajectory that we need to change. So that's our our farm bill platform really seeks to address rebuilding the foundation of our American beef production systems productivity. And that would be to get this herd rebuilding restarted, um, you know, of a long term push for our calf. Probably the entire reason we were created is we just want competitive, transparent markets. And uh, people are tired of hearing, you know, maybe our, our hallmark initiative is the American Beef Labeling Act, Senate Bill 52. We fought a long time to get this thing filed, and now we're going to try and get it pushed into law because, you know, as we seek to rebuild this cow herd, we're going to have to be able to compete with the imports that we know are going to be coming. And we just don't think that that's too much to ask of our or Senate to instruct USDA and USTR to uh, get that done because I think American beef can compete with any beef in the world if we're given the opportunity. Well, and to your point there, that American Beef Labeling Act, uh, without a, some type of MCOOL label, obviously, it's in my mind, the American consumer doesn't know exactly where their beef is coming from. And I know that's a, a big point of emphasis uh, for RCAF. Uh, with that legislation, isn't it, Brett? Well, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's closer to uh, the average consumer's mind wanting to know where their beef is from than worrying about the sustainability craze that's going on. And again, you know, foundational, step-by-step, step, let's work on the foundation. Let's get this cow herd built back up. Because, you know, as, as we enjoy these high prices, again, we know there's inflation, interest rates, all of our inputs are up. So we're, we're going to have to have, we're going to have to kick and scratch to keep 
the the producer's share of that consumer dollar here in rural America if if we're going to keep creating the best beef in the world. And uh, we just think that, you know, again, MCOOL, American Beef Labeling Act, it's not the whole equation, but it's, it's a pretty critical step to allow us to compete and get our cow herd back to the numbers it needs to be to feed this country. Brett, you talked about open and transparent markets as well, and uh, I know we have the cattle contract library pilot out from USDA right now. What's your take on that? What's your what's RCAF's stance on that program as we're seeing it kind of unfold in this pilot form here the last couple of months? Well, I think I think that it's a great idea. You know, the the idea of it is great. But the devil's always in the details in terms of implementation, kind of like it's been some years ago, mandatory price reporting, you know, was really going to set us free and maybe create some transparency. Because the big question is in everybody's mind is what are the value of these fed cattle? Because that then instructs the feeder cattle market and, and this light calf market. So, while while we support the idea of the cattle contract library, one of our ideas that that we're pushing forward in our farm bill platform is that cattle contracts should have to be filed with AMS in writing and be auditable. They, they wouldn't have to be perhaps publicly disclosed, but they should have to be filed just to create a paper trail and a verifiable source of what these contracts are. Uh, it wouldn't be a lot different than what an elevator does in terms of grain merchandising, just to be able to show auditors what's going on in the market. So that's something that we think that could really, oh, it's kind of like an EPD, Jesse. It would just increase the accuracy of that library. Mm -hmm. We've got to, if if we want to use tools like this to instruct the market, we have to make sure that they're accurate. And you know what I've what I've seen so far the contract library and bless those guys' hearts they've been given a, quite a task to try to put something together that has a lot of numbers and to put it into a presentable form. I still don't think there's anything that truly would help in terms of creating a tool that would help in value discovery for the producer. It's it's kind of just a book of hypotheticals at this point. So. That's that's where we stand on the contract library. We support the idea, but we think that uh, just shrouding everything in terms of confidentiality really gives the most concentrated areas of the country a free pass, so to speak, in terms of reporting. I want to turn our attention to one other area as well here, Brett, and that is the RFID rule, the radio frequency, ear tags for cattle. I know, RCAF, you guys have come out here just in the last uh, week or so urging the USDA to scrap this RFID rule. So can you provide some perspective uh, for us on, uh, on why you're coming out and saying to get rid of this rule? Well, you know, we've, we've fought mandatory ID uh, since the early 2000s. Uh, it's uh, kind of an invasion of privacy, we feel. And really, you know, the last major battle in this was in 2013 when we, when we were issued the 2013 animal disease traceability rules. And when you look at 
what's been done since 2013 with those 2013 rules that allowed flexibility. You know, we, we have a very diverse cattle production system spread across this United States. Traceback speeds have increased 42 times since 2013 with this mm-hmm. current system. More than half the states can track these cattle in, in less than an hour. So rather than spend $26 million trying to come up with a more perfect system that may or may not end up being more perfect, where there's still a lot of questions about data privacy, uh, questions about where the tags come from, the reliability of that supply chain, you know, more questions than answers. I think that we need to reemphasize our, de- our national defense against foreign disease, you know, in terms of import standards of the meat that comes into this country. Because if we're going to spend $26 million on mandatory ID of 11% of our herd, I think uh, I-, I try to stick to the facts, being the president of RCAF USA, but everything that I read, everyone that I've heard speak takes this technology and runs away with it as far as people want to know where their food's from and marketing programs and, you know, broad accessibility for the industry. Uh, So I think that it's pretty obvious that we're going to be moving towards total traceability. So if you take that $26 million number times 10, you're looking at a quarter of a billion dollars that we're spending on after the fact reaction to disease within our borders. You know, if you, if you look at foot and mouth disease coming into this country, I don't think any level of traceability is going to mitigate the catastrophe that's going to unfold in terms of not just our, our livestock industry, but look at, you know, nature, Mm -hmm. all of that. So that's where, you know, again, to take it back to that foundational element, the found the strong foundation of food security for this nation stands at defense. So that's that's why we've long pushed back against it. And uh, you know, traceability—it's kind of Pandora's box as far as control. You know, I, I listen to a lot of different ideas that are being posed to the industry, and. Uh, it just feels like more and more of the total responsibility in terms of, of uh, just litigation and whatnot, it's all being pushed back to the cow-calf producer, mm-hmm. to the feedlot. You know, we, we used to have several different segments of the industry competing actively, you know, from the cow-calf man to the feeder cattle man, from the feeder cattle man to the finisher. But it's beginning to look like they're just going to take the end product and assess profits back as they see fit. That's, that's the trajectory of the industry. It's what we face as, as a world, really. Technology is evolving. We have to figure out how to use it in a manner that keeps everybody free, keeps everybody productive, that fosters entrepreneurship rather than just total control. Well, Brett, before we let you go, any other final thoughts? Anything else you're watching closely there at RCAF USA that we need to keep our eyes on? Well, another big platform in the farm bill that we've been taking heat for is our support of the OFF Act. You know, the opportunities in fairness and farming that would uh, reform the the checkoff programs. To pre- you know, there's sev- there's it's a it's a pretty short bill, honestly. 
but it would do things such as prohibit lobbying organizations from contracting with checkoff programs, prohibit your checkoff representatives from engaging in, in conflict of interest activities, public disclosure of budgets and expenditures, and uh, compliance audits. You know, actual compliance with the act and the order. That's something that we don't see very often. We see financial audits, but, you know, this is, uh, this is a public program. The administration of it should be public. I guess my personal stance is, is we've never needed an effective checkoff more than we need it today with the attack on beef. And uh, I just, I, I see growing, I see both growing support and growing opposition for the off act. And, and that's really a good sign because it means that it's being talked about and passed around. And uh, yeah, it just uh, seems like it should be a minimum standard of any government program. The things that are, that are discussed in the off act. Well, we appreciate the time and insight. With that, RCAF USA President Brett Kenzie, thanks for joining us here today, and enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse.